Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm Jacob Barr. I'm here with Susan, and we're going to talk about several bills in California that are pro-abortion bills that are coming down the pipe and that you should know about. Welcome, Susan. I am so glad you're here. Um, would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to executive directors uh, in California and beyond? Hi, Jacob. It's very good to be with you. My name is Susan Arnall. I am the uh, director of legal affairs. Well, I'm the vice president of legal affairs at the Right to Life League. Uh, we're based in Southern California in Pasadena, and we are an exclusively pro-life organization. Uh, we were um, we actually were founded 54 years ago in 1967. We are America's first pro-life organization. Awesome. And, and, to, and today, I think we'll be talking about several laws um, or, or bills, or, or I guess you can tell, tell us what's going on in California that the rest of the country and people in California should be aware of. Sure. Well, in California, California is a very pro-abortion state. And um, as a pro-life entity or organization, it's like drinking from a fire hose trying to keep up with all of it because right now I think there's something around close to like 20 different bills that are jamming their way through this legislative session. Uh, I think it goes through to like yeah, June or something, but what happens is each one of these bills is heard at least in four committees, at least once in four different committees. Sometimes they're re-referred back to a committee so that it can be heard multiple times. And then at the end, at some point, I'm not sure exactly when, but before the legislature dips out for you know, election season, then they vote on all of these things. And with the supermajority of basically pro-abortion Democrats, they're, all, they're probably all gonna just get passed. So that's what we're looking at here in California. It is, uh, as Gavin, Gavin Newsom is our governor and he swore that he was going to make sure that California was an abortion sanctuary. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. A sanctuary is something that you're trying to be safe for life, right? You're, you're fleeing persecution or death, right? At the hands of you know, state actors. And so you flee to the church, like, you know, the, uh, like the old story of the hunchback of Notre Dame and you declare sanctuary. Well, they've done it the other way. They call it an abortion sanctuary out here in California. Mm. So that's what, and what they are doing, what the legislature is doing because many of them are bought and paid for by the, the Planned Parenthood cabal of about 40 different uh, abortion providers in California. They got together back in 2021 and created what is called the Future of Abortion Council Recommendations. Yeah, it's very official. And it was these 40 different abortion providers, mostly headed by you know, Planned Parenthood because they saw a change in their business model coming. They saw that the Dobbs case, which is still to be uh, announced from the Supreme Court, is going to change their business model. 26 states are restricting uh, access to abortion. They're not outlawing it altogether, but they're putting restrictions on it for the safety and health of the mother and for the child, right? Um, and plant, that cuts into Planned Parenthood's business model because they get a lot of money from the government and, and other places. So they came up with the Future of Abortion Council recommendation. There are 45 specific points. 
And I believe there's eight specific bills that they wanted to make sure got through the legislature. And so they drafted it up. And I believe they handed them to, you know, these different drafts of bills, handed them off to um, legislators who are somehow on their donation payroll, right? Just make sure that these, these are loyalists. And they say, here, introduce this bill. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing just a slew of very radical pro-abortion, abortion on demand, 24-7, no restrictions whatsoever, being pushed through the California legislature because they want it all done in time for, uh, for the Dobbs hearing. The goal of all of this is to turn California into an abortion sanctuary, but more than that, Planned Parenthood, and this is all part of the Future of Abortion Council report. You can look it up online, it's right there. They predict an increase of, of people, pregnant people, traveling to California to have their abortions because many other states, at least 26 of them, are restricting abortion in some way. Some of them are restricting it at the 15 week mark, like the case of Dobbs. Some of, the, some of them are restricting it even earlier, like the Texas heartbeat law. And I think Oklahoma has it even earlier than that. So uh, what Planned Parenthood is, is hoping for is a way to bring these women, pregnant people, to California to give them free abortions. I know it sounds crazy, but that's one of the bills that has been going through our legislature. SB 245 makes it, um, it's already a law that insurance companies cannot even charge a copay for abortion. Abortion must be completely free. Uh, they wanna expand upon that. They want uh, SB 1245 is a, a bill that will create a pilot program here in Los Angeles uh, County because they, they see Los Angeles as an international hub. It has several different airports. Los Angeles you know, uh, Airport is one of them, Ontario, uh, Burbank. And so they see it as a hub and they want to expand access to abortion in Los Angeles. There is no lack of access to abortion in Los Angeles. We're, we're, they're, they're all over the place. But this pilot program, SB 1245, will flood Los Angeles County with money to build facilities. Um, and there's another bill, I believe it's- So that's the build facilities like near the airport? So that when someone Could flies- be all over LA County, we don't know. That, but okay. the idea is to funnel money to basically Planned Parenthood to run abortion facilities in Los Angeles. I'll give you another one that is, this is called the, I call it the abortion vacay bill. It's also called the abortion tourism bill. It's SB 1142. SB 1142 basically um, funds abortion tourism. It says we need to, we need the money from California taxpayers, right? To fly women from any state that they wish. And, and first of all, to create a website, uh, kind of a statewide one-stop shop where women can go in from Oklahoma and say, you know, free abortion, California. Boom, they're in a website, probably designed and managed by Planned Parenthood, although that's not called out in the bill. It's a state uh, website so that you can schedule your travel, like your airplane or your train or your bus, and you can be met at the airport by Uber, and you will be taken directly to the abortion facility or even a hotel where 
lodging is paid for your lodging while you're getting while you're waiting for your free abortion uh it will also compensate for lost wages time off work so that if you're leaving oklahoma and you need to have a week to go or two weeks to go out to california you can fly out to california you'll be compensated lost wages they'll make arrangements with your um your health care your insurance right there online schedule everything so it is a one-stop shop and then you just hop on a plane. They will have specialized drivers, probably Uber, but some maybe maybe through a private service. We don't exactly know to make sure that these women are not, uh, you know, waylaid at the at, at the airport by you know pro life people who might say, oh, please change your mind. Right? We want to just scoop them up, take them to the the uh, the abortion hotel, pay them their lost wages, get their insurance, and guess what? They also provide in this bill SB eleven forty two. They know. provide child care. Yes, you can bring your children to your ab free abortion vacay. So it's kind of like going to mm. Disneyland. You come, you schedule it, you can fly your kids with you so that you can kill their sibling on the California taxpayer dime. That's what it is. That's SB 1142. Now, where is California going to get that money? Well, it's actually getting the money, not just from California taxpayers. It's also getting the money from the um, blue state bailout that Biden authorized fairly recently. He sent money to all of the loyal states who made sure he got elected, right? And they've they've been a, a great influx of you know billions of dollars, billion like Biden with a B, into California. Right now, the latest figure that I have is that the state surplus for California surplus budget is around $45 billion. And I believe Governor Newsom has, has kind of earmarked or said he wants to spend about 20 billion of that to create the abortion sanctuary. So the taxpayer dollars are not just California taxpayers. They're also anybody else who's paid into the federal tax pool and it's being shipped from the feds, from Biden. It's a little bit like money laundering, right? So even if you're in California or Oklahoma and you oppose abortion, you're going to be paying for it in some way out here in California. That's SB 1142. It's going through the legislature. Let me give you some other examples. Oh, by the way, all of these bills that, that we're fighting at the, um, the Right to Life League, we have a tiny little website called prolifeadvocates.org, prolifeadvocates.org. And we simply list the good bills and the bad bills so that you can see that they, it has hyperlinks to every one of the bills. You can watch our video testimony and expert witnesses. You can read our different opposition letters so that you can understand why we think it's a bad bill or a good bill. And um, you can you know, read more about any one of these, uh, any one of these bills. Another okay. bill that's coming up um, in the, I think it's Assembly Health and also Assembly Higher well, Education. Before, we, before yes. we go to the next one, I've got a question sure. and you may, may or may not have the answer, but so if, some, if abortion is illegal in one state, but yet it's legal in California, it, it just seems bizarre that someone can travel across the state line, let's say through an air, you know, going through an airplane, and now they're in a new state that allows that activity, and then they can return to their home state where that was illegal, but they didn't commit that illegal activity on their home soil. It still seems, so apparently, um, the crime is all based on the soil it's committed on and not based on who did it? Is that really well, what that means? We have, it, it's the concept is federalism. When the founders of the constitution created the framework for our nation, we wanted a limited 
federal government. We did not want an all powerful, you know, democracy. We are not a democracy. We are a representative okay. of a republic. And they wanted to ensure that regular people held more power by keeping power much more local. So okay. you, you would elect people, you know, your mayor, and you could get right in their face and say, I don't like the job you're doing. And that these, that these local officials, like mayors, right, and then also state assembly and state um, senators would be much more responsive to citizens of the state. And one of the things that they built into the Constitution is that the concept of federalism, which is the federal government is limited by, you know, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, it's got all of the different amendments that limit the power of the federal government. Okay. Any, any powers that are not already specifically designated to be federal powers are reserved to the states. So the state actually has more power than the federal government. Now, throughout... Um, kind of the history of jurisprudence, there have been a lot of kind of inroads from the federal government, lots of different um, decisions by the Supreme Court that has eroded that. They've used the Commerce Clause. That's, that thing is big enough to drive a Mack truck through. So they can now control uh, commerce in, if it, if it involves commerce across state line, well, the federal government says, yeah, we control that. So um, because of the evolution and because of different um, laws that we've that, that the Senate and you know the, the basically the federal government's passed and several different Supreme Court decisions, the concept of federalism has been eroded. So, so it, it, it doesn't sound exactly like what I'm saying, but the, the fact of the matter is the, the the states actually control what happens much more than the federal government. Okay. Does. So that's how we have the case in Dobbs, right, Mississippi, who said, you know what, uh, we're going to, we're going to stop abortion at 15 weeks based on the ability of the fetus to feel pain. And so we don't want to allow people to have abortions unless uh, it is, it, it does endanger the life of the mother. And we want to make sure that a doctor's on board, takes a look at her, that it's not just a convenience argument, or it's not just my mental health, right? But it actually is something reasonable. And that if we are going to conduct an abortion after 15 weeks when this baby can feel pain. We want to get a doctor on board and we want to have it a very narrow, you know, you know, safe, but if it's ne truly necessary, then we will consider going ahead and having the abortion. That's in a nutshell what Dobbs is saying. That challenges Roe versus Wade, which the, the, the structure of Roe versus Wade and then the, the, the case that came after called Casey, that set up kind of the uh, viability test and the notion that uh, it balances the, the equities of the, the, the necessity of the mother versus the, um, the interest of the state to protect the life and kind of weigh the balance and viability kind of came out of that around you know 22 weeks, 23 weeks, but viability is flexible, isn't it? And as science improves, we are seeing that viability is you know, scooching back. What Dobbs challenges is, hey, we're talking about pre-viability restrictions. We want to put a restriction on ability on uh, abortion that comes before viability at about 22 weeks. We want to say 15 weeks. Therefore, we are challenging the constitutionality of the application of, um, of uh, Roe versus Wade based on this narrow reason, which is fetal pain, 15 weeks, and we as a state want to do this. 
that's what the Supreme Court is, is hearing, well, has heard, and will announce at some point in May or June, you know, sometime this summer. So one more question about the, yeah, you know, where abortion is legal versus where abortion is illegal. Um, it seems to me like there might be, I'm not, what, what are your thoughts on if, uh, if California, where abortion is legal, it was to advertise in a state where abortion is illegal. Yeah. yeah. What does that look like? Because that, that seems to be going into a dark gray zone. Well, it's kind of like, hey, it's, it's like Las Vegas, right? It's legal to gamble in Nevada, but not so much in other places, right? Unless you're in a yeah. reservation, same thing, right? We can, as a state, we can decide that gambling is legal here, right? And other sure. states can say, well, that's immoral. We shouldn't allow our children to be around. Well, yeah, well, so don't come to Las Vegas. So yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna advertise. I mean, one possible consideration that just kind of comes to the top of my head is, if you're talking about someone under the age of 18, is that contributing to the delinquency of a minor or is that yeah. some sort of child trafficking across state lines? I don't know. I, it just I seems like it out there. Yeah, it seems like advertising an illegal activity that's legal, let's say in California. In California, right? But it's legal not legal in this other place. If California is allowed to advertise that in that, like that seems to go against the sovereignty of the state when it comes to promoting, come here to do your your illegal activity. If you're advertising, say it's against commerce clause and things, you're just advertising, come here. We're not saying we're gonna do it in Texas, but if you come to California, you get a free one and you get a vacation. We, we might may even throw in Disneyland tickets, you know, since uh, Disneyland's grooming people now. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, just, it, it's crazy. It's, it is crazy. It, it, but what we are witnessing is we are, we, now the battle is joined right? Are we going to protect our children from being aborted or not? And guess what? This is, what did you think was going to happen if Roe versus Wade falls? Did you think that the Supreme Court was just going to say, oh yeah, uh, abortion is illegal? Now they, they could, they could find a personhood, not amendment, because we haven't passed one. That's the way to, to fix this, is you go into the, you know, the, the, the House and the Senate and you say, let's pass a personhood amendment that says, you know, the an amendment to the constitution that says we find that the that we are created by you know by our creator with certain inalienable rights among those being life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's in the declaration of independence based on that we declare as a legislative body we want to amend the constitution and inform our judiciary the third branch of the government that this right to life uh, begins upon conception or upon six weeks gestation or you know pick one and therefore at that point we the the congress decide that 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 entity that life entity within a, a woman's womb is its own separate person and has rights that attach at that point that's the personhood amendment we do that that amends the constitution that's a game changer but for some reason, we don't have the uh, political willpower to get that done. Now, the Supreme Court could, they could take the opportunity in Dobbs to look at the Declaration of Independence and a lot of other things and say, well, Roe was wrongly decided, just like Plessy versus Ferguson, just like all the <coughs> history of, uh, God bless, just like <laughs> the history of, of you know, slavery, right? The three-fifths of a person. Who's a three-fifths of a person, right? That's wrong. We're going to go back there. We're going to fix it. And yes, all men are created equal. Doesn't matter what color you are, 
you're you are an equal human being that has all of the rights as anybody else. Well, why don't we apply that to babies too? They could, they could go that far, but they might not. They it, it's up to them, and it, it it's up to how many uh, justices would be. That would be probably a step of that would be towards judicial activism. And there's kind of two yeah. schools of thought. Judicial activism is well, we're going to take this law and we're going to we're going to interpret it. We're going to make it the way that we think it should have been and kind of yeah. change the law. There's a lot of that on, on, the, on the left, not so much on conservatives or, or traditional kind of right side, but it's not so much really right side, it's conservatives. And uh, people like Justice Alito and Justice Thomas are a conservative justice in that, that they look at the constitution and they say, well, I don't find a right in here. And in fact, during the uh, conversation that the questioning that uh, Justice Thomas uh, engaged in with the, uh, I forget the woman's name, but she was the attorney that was uh, opposed, she was for Jackson's women's health. She was uh, arguing against the, the Dr. Dobbs and saying, no, that there is a, a right to abortion. And, and Justice Thomas says, well, just tell me where, because I know if you were talking about the second, you know, about the right to bear arms, I know where you're talking about. I know it's in the you know, second amendment. Where do you find this right to privacy and right to abortion? And she said, well, it's, you know, it's this, you know, kind of this nebulous, it's the right to privacy, it's in the penumbra, which is like a big umbrella. It's, and, and that's referring to how we got to Roe versus Wade and Casey in the first place, is interpreting, activist judges, interpreting law to say, well, yeah, there, there's a right to privacy, there, there sure is. Well, Justice Thomas is saying, where does that reside? He's being a strict constructionist, He's looking at the four corners of the document of you know, the, the constitution and he's saying, I don't know where that is. So that signals that he's at least willing to, to say, um, yeah, Roe, Roe was wrongly decided. There, there's no right to privacy expressed in the constitution. And therefore, here's the conservative part of it. We don't have jurisdiction to decide this matter. In other words, it was wrongly decided. We, we're not going to, that's the wrong way to say it. We are going to undo Roe versus Wade and Casey, and we're going to say there there isn't there really isn't a, a right to a, abortion in the Constitution, and therefore this matter, which is not called out specifically in the Constitution, and not delineated as one of those limitations or empowerments of the federal government, that means it remains with the states. See, now it goes back to the states, and they have more power under the Constitution. And that's how we find ourselves in, okay, we got 26 states saying, great, let's limit abortion. We're going to even limit chemical abortions. We're going to limit all the abortions, right? Very, very narrow, like Oklahoma, uh, I think Mississippi, Texas. I think there's the one in Ohio, there's lots. And we're going to have the other states like California and, and other uh, very left-leaning states saying, no, abortion all the time. Uh, in fact, we're going to pay for it. That, that's where it's going to come from. If the Supreme Court says, well, hands off, we made a mistake and it's not it's not within our power. If they become activists, if they go beyond their being a conservative, strict constructionist, if they say, well, you know, that Declaration of Independence, it does say right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I think that that means that the right to life does attach in the womb. That would be a more activist decision. And they could do it, but I don't know if they would. I mean, that's that we would all love that, right? But then again, that's having judges, that's having, you know, men in black robes or women in black robes, you know, a handful of people telling us what our laws are. And that, that actually erodes 
our rights as Americans. We have the right to set, set our laws and these legislators do what we say and the judicial branch is supposed to enforce the laws as they are written. When they go outside of as they are written, that's activist, that, that's frustrating the purpose of people to write their own laws. And that's a real problem. So again, we're back to the power in the states. Who's voting for these people, right? And they're, they're being funded by very powerful lobbyists. Pro, it's big abortion. That's what who's funding it. And they're making sure that they get these bills passed because they want to start spending money um, like drunken sailors, no offense to drunken sailors, but they want to make sure that, that abortion is 24-7 and that I have to pay for it and that you have to pay for it, regardless of what we think. So that's the battle. But yeah, now the battle is finally joined after 54, 50 years, right? We are now at the point where all of that persuasion, all of that uh, lobbying, all of the different things, it's about to happen. Hopefully Roe versus Wade will fall, Roe and Casey, and hopefully it will go back to the states because that's a huge major win because now we go back to the states and now we say, okay, let's get into the state legislature. Let's start running for office down at the office of dog capture. Let's start putting pro-life people in positions of power at like the secretary of state level, at a clerk level, at election level, anywhere we can, finally up into the assembly positions and state senates. And that way we change how our laws are written. That means a lot of work, but you know, what did you think? It was going to be easy? Yeah. Well, let's, so let's go let's go back to some of these bills and it seems like there's so it sounds like you're saying that they're pushing through they're throwing all of these bills they're essentially working on so many bills because they want to have them in place before Dobbs exactly because of it because exactly. after Dobbs the the environment will be different to, to push a bill through is that the idea well maybe I mean we have we maybe. do have the elections coming up I mean they're gonna they're gonna have primary season. Okay. Uh, so, you know, if I can get all of this done now uh, before primary season, yay. And of course, a lot of people on the, the pro-abort side think that by passing these laws, they will get more votes. They, they might be right, especially in places like California. Okay. So they, they may be right. But yeah, they're trying to deliver on their promises to their, but it's, you know, it's driven by their constituents, which are big abortion, Planned Parenthood. And Planned Parenthood is fighting these battles in other different states because they have a ton of money from you and me, taxpayers, because they get the money. They, they get money from taxes. That's how, so they're using our money against us. It's kind of a big money laundering scheme to fund abortion. But in any event, yes, that's exactly right. What you're saying is that um, what they're doing is they're trying to flood the zone with all kinds of bills. There's another one we haven't talked about, but it's very much in the news. It's called AB 2223. This is okay. the one that will legalize abort, um, legalize infanticide, not just, wow. yeah, the legalize infanticide. We just wrote um, another, uh, another article on it. We've written three or four of them at our website, which is righttoliflege.org. And just this morning, uh, we posted another one that really walks through how the fact checkers in like, you know, gosh, uh, the Sacramento Bee, Reuters, AP, there's all of these different media uh, outlets which are saying that AB 2223 doesn't legalize infanticide. That's just misinformation, right? That's what they're saying. They don't look at the bill and they don't listen to what pro-life lawyers like myself and Teresa Brennan and a host of other lawyers have taken a look at this bill. We're reading the language and we're saying, well, uh, yeah, it does. But then they call us fake news. They call us misinformation. 
I'll break it down why we think that AB 2223 legalizes infanticide. First of all, what is infanticide? Infanticide is the killing of a baby born alive, separate from the mother, alive, breathing, out of the womb, not an abortion. It's out, right? And it's a, a separate breathing entity. It's a person, right? Okay. Well, AB 2223, um, the intent that the 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 bill's author, Buffy Wicks, has expressed in tweets and in her statements by her spokespeople, she said, look, no woman should be prosecuted by the law for an abortion or a stillbirth or a miscarriage or a perinatal death. What's that? All right. Well, we know what a stillbirth is. That's when the baby dies and is born sometime after 20 weeks, right? Miscarriage is a little earlier, right? But the baby dies. We know what an abortion is. That's when they kill the baby and then take it out in pieces, right? So those are the first three, miscarriage, stillbirth, abortion. We don't wanna prosecute any woman who has any of those three because that's just not fair. Wicks is pointing to a, two different cases. One is called Perez and I forgot the name of the other one in which there was a rogue process, prosecutor, excuse me, who prosecuted a woman. There was one woman who uh, she was a meth addict she took a lot of methamphetamine and she delivered a baby and it died. And so the, the prosecutor went out to make it probably political points, I don't know, but he prosecuted her and threw her in jail because of basically child abuse in the womb type of a thing, prosecuted her. And that's gotten a lot of press. And then there was a similar woman, another case, I believe she was in a car wreck because maybe she was drunk or on some sort of um, chemicals and crashed in the tree or something like that and then delivered and the baby died, okay? And so they prosecuted her for, for that. I believe, I, I may have the facts a little bit vague, but basically there's two cases like that where, you know, a, a rogue prosecutor wanted to make a point to go after um, a woman for some bad behavior that resulted in the death of her then, you know, being pregnant and baby. Okay, so we don't wanna do that, says Buffy Wicks, because we don't wanna prosecute any woman who elects to choose to abort a baby, right? And it's called a pregnancy outcome, right? So I can choose a pregnancy outcome at any point in my pregnancy up to nine months, right? I can have an abortion up to nine months. Okay, but what about what is perinatal death? Well, okay, perinatal death is not prenatal death. It's not before birth. Perinatal is after birth. And Buffy Wicks bill includes in her four categories of stillbirth, miscarriage, abortion. She also includes perinatal death due to a pregnancy related cause, whatever that means. Do we know what that means? I don't know what that means. The bill doesn't define it. It's not defined anywhere, but perinatal sure is. I know what a perinatal death is. You can look it up in any kind of medical dictionary. You can actually look it up in California state law. It's defined in the welfare code. Perinatal death is the period from birth, so after birth, to about 28 days or about one month old. Separate, born alive baby. That is the perinatal period according to the Welfare Code of California. Now, Buffy Wick's spokesperson has been very disingenuous about it. She says that that term is not defined. Well, it's not defined in the bill, but it is de defined as a medical term. It's also defined in California law. So, She's trying to say, well, perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. That's what she just amended it. We don't mean the death of a, just a baby born alive. We just mean uh, the death of a baby due to pregnancy-related cause. 
what does that mean? That's not defined. That's super vague too. It, it doesn't make any sense yeah. to me because pregnancy related cause, a birth is a pregnancy related cause. Anything could be pregnancy related. What about the baby daddy saying, I didn't want you to be pregnant and I didn't want you to come home with this baby and you didn't want the baby. How about I just strangle the baby? That's a pregnancy related cause. I didn't agree to this pregnancy. I don't know. Is that a pregnancy related cause? Maybe I'm stretching it, but the term is not defined. Yeah, the, worse, so when a term is vague or not used often and not defined, mm-hmm. it seems like leaves it up to a judge, right? Well, it just seems like that would be something that'd be worthwhile to define. And you'd if, think, yeah, you'd think if they really wanted to, but I guess they don't, because that's one of the that's one of the big points that we've been arguing for uh, weeks and weeks and weeks. We keep saying that, and that yeah, is the crux it, of why we say this legalizes infanticide. Here's why. There's a little bit more. Okay. There, um, it reminds me of so when I was um, about eight years old, I would you know, give my parents a paper and have them, I try and get them to sign the bottom. And then that way I could fill out the top afterwards. It sort of feels like that's what they're doing. It sort of feels like they're using a term that hasn't been defined so they can say, let's pass it. You know, please sign the, the dotted line. And we'll define it later. Right. It's just, that's an eight year old trick. Like this is well, not an adult move. This is, this is a child. Very poorly. It's either very poorly drafted I mean, like crazy bad, or it's intentional, one or the other. But anyway, what yeah, okay. the worst thing that it does, worse, worse than that, it doesn't just add in, well, due to a pregnancy-related cause, it also goes further and it says, well, wait a minute. We don't want any woman investigated for a perinatal death. In fact, we don't want anyone who assists a woman in her choice of pregnancy outcomes, like a perinatal death, we don't want anyone to investigate. And so we're going to create a protection. First of all, we're going to tell the coroner that he's not allowed to investigate, um, uh, you know, certain types of fetal death, like we like from uh, abortions. You can't investigate it. You can't figure out what was the cause of death. And um, in certain cases where you can investigate it, well, we're not going to allow you to use the coroner's finding in any action against the mother or anyone else who assisted the mother in getting her pregnancy outcome, okay? Now, since the term is for perinatal death, we're not, again, we're not talking about stillbirth, miscarriage, and abortion. Those are all inside, right? We're talking about outside. Since we're talking about a perinatal death, what's to stop a mother who decides, I don't, I don't want this baby, or, oh, and it's also another part of the term is an act or omission, right? No one is going to be prosecuted. Mother, birthing person, or anyone who assists her shall be prosecuted for an act or an omission. What's an act? Strangling a baby is an act. Smothering a baby is an act. What's an omission? Mm, failing to feed it, just not doing anything, not keeping it warm, just letting it just die and not feeding it. That's an omission. Well, we're not going to prosecute anyone. In fact, we're saying no, no, no one has a, we're not going to prosecute them. And any state actor, government official, I guess, this is also, a lot of this is not defined very well, that a state actor who does investigate or even threatens to investigate is then subject to a private cause of action by the mother or anyone who assists her. So baby daddy, grandma, the doctor, the abortionist, anybody, we can then sue that person 
it gives us the right to sue the person as a private cause of action in superior court. Damages start at $25,000 and can include attorney's fees. So that'll incentivize all the lawyers, right? Because they see money and they can go after anyone who says maybe, maybe like the, I don't know, a, a medical worker who's with the state, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a welfare worker who says, honey, if you don't feed that baby, that baby doesn't, you know, gain some weight by the time I see you in three weeks, I'm going to have to report you. Oh, well, now I'm getting reported and this is my pregnancy outcome and nobody gets to choose what I want to do. I don't have to feed that baby. It's an omission. You cannot prosecute me. And now I can go after you because you've threatened me against my right of privacy and my right to choose my abortion outcome. Hmm. I know it sounds crazy. I know it does, but this is the, this is how we've been analyzing the bill. This is why we're pointing to it saying, this thing is so badly written. We're not talking about, you know, a perinatal death in the first 12 hours that is somehow, you know, due to the birthing processors. It's not defined. It's a whole, it, it is already defined as a, a month. So you could, you've got a three week old baby and it dies, but we're not gonna, we, we can't investigate it, right? Because uh, it, and oh, and the other part of it is, so long as the woman consents, if she consents to this pregnancy outcome, like the abortionist, so she's delivered, she, let's say she went in for uh, an abortion at nine months and the abortionist botches the job and actually delivers a live baby, alive, yeah. separate, right? Like a Kermit Gosnell. There's nothing to stop that doctor from just snipping the spinal cord, throwing it in a bucket, so long as the woman consents, because that is her right to determine her pregnancy outcome. And he is immune from prosecution or investigation. Mm. And so is she. Nothing to stop that. That's yeah. how bad this bill is. And that's what we keep pointing out, that this is infanticide. This is infanticide. And the the people who are reporting on it, the fact checkers, so-called, they're not, they're not walking through this bill. They're not reading it. What they're doing is they're going to Buffy Wicks and saying, oh, these people are saying that you want to, you want to kill babies. And she says, well, no, that's just not true. I want to protect mothers from prosecution like this poor woman, Perez and this other one. I don't want women prosecuted for exercising their choice, you know, their right to privacy and their right to choose. I want to protect them. And that's all this bill does. It doesn't do what you say it does. And so the fact checking media says, okay, good. And then they just keep reporting that what we're saying is misinformation. They don't walk through this bill. I do at length, it's, it's, it's a long article and it puts all of this in, into perspective, cites the language of the bill and it's up there right now at the right to life under our like news and you know, blogs are right there. You can find yeah, it. it looks like it. Yeah, the, the pro-lifeadvocates.org website you mentioned, it looks like it has the text of the bill. Right. That um, has the text in the there. We'd like to get yeah. all of our website. We're going to try to get all our website all together so that all of these things are in one place. But for now, at the righttolifeleague.org, you can find the news and blog articles. You can find that right there. And then if you go to prolifeadvocates.org, you can find um, the list of the good bills, the bad bills, and all of the different. You can watch testimony um, against actually AB 2223. We organized um, 14 different witnesses last week. April 19th, up at the state capitol. We've got Dr. Wong, we've got Dr. Kluster. We had a lot of different witnesses from a variety of backgrounds who all testified as ex experts before the Assembly Health Committee and the and other committees just saying, especially on, on AB 2223, Dr. Wong and, uh, testified said, yes, this bill will, will legalize infanticide. That's just, it's just out there. I'm just, I'm just telling you. 
but the media doesn't want to hear it because they're, you know, they're kind of in the pocket of, of big abortion, or maybe they just don't want to dig that much. Maybe they don't want to bother to, to actually walk yeah. through and, and listen to the other side and say, what do you mean? So we, we're trying to tell them, we're trying to present it and explain what the statute says and, and why and how this will legalize a, a infanticide up to about a month old. Yeah. And according to, you know, some, some dictionaries, prenatal, you know, perinatal just means a period of time. It's not defined. And then some websites were saying up to a year, right. some say a few weeks, six days, right. Seven days, some say days, before or after it's, right. I don't even see any consistency across all these definitions. Like, I feel like this is a vague term by definition. Like it, it's well, but it, but not well it defined. Is, it is defined in California law under the welfare code. And we cite that in our articles. We show you right where it is. And the California law says about a month. It says 28 days. 28 days. From okay. period of birth to 28 days. Well, that's pretty so, specific. It's pretty, pretty specific. And so yeah. if a judge is looking at this and wants to know, well, what is that term, right? That's a place that a judge can go. He can say, well, the bill doesn't define it. So I have to, as a judge, I have to interpret it. That's not how our laws should be written. We should have very, very clear laws that explain exactly what things mean. But that this doesn't do that. Neither do, it, it, due to a pregnancy-related cause. Perinatal death. Is yeah, pregnancy-related. What is pregnancy-related? Like, yeah, like does that mean an idea tied to tied to the pregnancy, or does that mean it happened during the pregnancy, but right. it's not defined? Right. And again, the woman can give her consent to the pregnancy outcome within that month, right? And here's another idea that I was thinking of. I believe that part of the reason that they want this is what about chemical abortions? It makes up roughly, I mean, what in 2020, I think Guttmacher came out and said that chemical abortions make up 54% of all abortions. That's yeah. probably a lot higher now. So let's, yeah. let's ballpark it maybe around 60%. 60% yeah. of all abortions are chemical abortions. So chemical abortions, we take uh, Nifaprex and Misoprostol, uh, and you take them in combination. It's a pill protocol. You take one Nisoprex, basically starve the baby. It, it, it interferes with its glucose and its uptake of nutrition, so the baby dies. And then the second drug, you take a couple days later, and it gives you powerful uterine cramps, and you expel the dead baby. However, if you don't know what how far along you are in a term, it only works well safely. I did not even I wanted to say it that way because every somebody dies in well, every one of these, but up to 12 weeks. <laughs> but women, if they and now because Biden has lifted the restriction that you have to at least go in person to uh, have at least a, an exam to kind of date your pregnancy using ultrasound, say, oh yeah, you're 12 weeks, you're you're okay, we can give you the, these drugs, right? What if you're 15 weeks? And a lot of women don't know, especially if they're younger. They may the not baby survives the first part. Baby the first survives, part. right. And then is born alive at maybe, well, there was a, a case, I think it was the Daily Mail UK. I, I, it, it was a British uh, newspaper and I don't have it off the top of my head, but just within a week or so, baby was born at 30 weeks as a, basically a failed uh, abortion from this, you know, from the, the yeah. abortion drug, from the chemical abortion. So is this going to be used? Is AB 2223 going to cover up abortion? Is that, because I'll tell you what, chemical abortion, that would be due to a pregnancy related cause, right? 
So oh, now yeah. you deliver the baby at you know, on a 22 and... weeks, but that I was really wanting to take, have an abortion and I can do a self-induced abortion. That's what AB 22, 23 makes sure. I can do a self-induced abortion. That doesn't mean coat hangers anymore, y'all. What it means is these chemical pills. So I can take an abortion pill at 18, 22, 25 weeks. And if the baby is born alive, well, um, I can leave it die. I, I can neglect it, whatever. And it's a perinatal death due to pregnancy-related cause. That's what I think that that, that bill is. That, that, that I think, I think that yeah, that makes a lot of sense as a very evil bill. And yeah. one of the, the newer, well, the one of the trends outside of the U.S. and possibly in the U.S. is people taking the second pill to expel the baby while not taking the first pill to starve the baby. Right. And, and so that means that people are having premature births in bathrooms alone yes. regularly. And this bill essentially is aimed at making it so it's not illegal to Correct. end the baby's life after it's been born prematurely in a bathroom. Correct. Correct. And yeah. the thing is this, this bill, AB 2223, directly conflicts with existing California state law. It's been on the books since 1995. It's called the Born Alive Protection Act. And that says that any baby born in the course of an abortion, a botched abortion, who survives, right? Who survives the abortion has all of the rights as a baby that was born in the natural course that was a wanted child. So that immediately if, the, if this baby is born prematurely, but has survived, it should be given all of the care necessary, any, any you know, food and warmth and you know, help breathing, everything that needs to, to save its life. That's the California Born Alive Protection Act. Well, AB 2223 blows that out of the water. How does that reconcile? How, how do you reconcile one law from 1995 and a new one that says, oh no, I can take an abortion pill or just one of them and I can deliver this baby at 30 weeks into a toilet and I can let it die. And that's my choice, my privacy choice as my pregnancy outcome. The birth is a, a perinatal death due to pregnancy related cause like premature birth. I guess that would be it, right? Due to premature birth, due to uh, taking an abortion pill that would be pregnancy related cause. So that's good enough. And that means no one can, can investigate me, no one can prosecute me, and I have up to a month to kill that baby. That's how sick this is. That's how sick yeah. this is. But again, the media just want to hear the talking points from the pro-abortion side from the, the bill's author, Buffy Wicks, and doesn't really want to hear this kind of analysis. So now you know more than 99% of the other people who haven't read this. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to sharing this with people that can hear this and you know, consider what's going on in order to, yeah, pray and ask people to vote there in California and to be prepared for what might be coming to other states down the road. They're all going to pass. They're all going to pass. And the, the, here's the other thing about AB 2223. It's going to pass. Perinatal death due to pregnancy related cause, it'll either be stripped out beforehand or a judge will, or people are going to, you know, bring lawsuits and say this, this conflicts with federal laws, you know, civil rights laws, strip it out. It'll eventually be pulled out. But in the meantime, while we're all talking about, you know, Buffy Wicks infanticide bill, what else is coming through? Um, the, 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 the fire hose of all these other bills that are being ignored, like 1245, the pilot program, maybe 1245 is sending money down, tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money to build an abortion hub in Los Angeles, 1142 to fund a website that creates an abortion tourism website and, and flies women in and will pay for them to have their abortion vacay and even bring their kids along. All these bills are going through and there's a host more. There's 
geez, I, I, all the list is at prolifeadvocates.org, but it, it just, they, it's, so it's, it's almost like they're putting that. one out that's really um, yes. this overwhelming. Yes, this is politics. They're, so they're that you don't, you don't Any object, look at this, it's, it's, it's infanticide, woo, pay attention to this. Meanwhile, I'm getting all 15 other bills right on through without any All the other ones are based on funding. So they're getting money yes. while they're distracting us with infanticide. Right. That's exactly what's happened. And no one else is opposing these bills. I mean, the Right to Life League has been opposing all of these. We're the only pro-life, exclusively pro-life group that's actually speaking up against these bills. So we'd love it if people would actually start, you know, pick, Pick a bill on the bad bill side at prolifeadvocates.org. Pick one. Start um, start writing to your you know representatives. Start calling. We've got on that that little bitty website. We also have a page that explains well how to get involved. Right. So it walks you through. Well, what do you need to do in California to send a letter to your you know your assemblyman or your your assembly person? Sorry. Uh, anyway, but um, to 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 advocate against these things, what can you do? You can actually call up the the, the assembly members' offices and the senators' offices and say, "I oppose this." Have you written a letter? I mean, there's lots to do, and of course, we've got an election coming up, and that's where we all have to vote our conscience, which is pro-life. I mean that. I mean that you, you can st we can turn all of this around in November. I mean, we can turn the whole thing around and say, well, I'm only going to be supporting pro-life candidates, the end. So go yeah. find out which ones aren't and just, you know, vote them out of office. That, that is ultimately the solution because again, our power resides with we the people. And these, these legislators are our employees. We have to tell them what we want. And right now, Planned Parenthood is doing a very fine job in funding them. We have to turn that around. That's on us. And if we're not, if you're not in the game, if you're not fighting, if you're not saying something, well, then you're just sitting and you're allowing it to happen. That's sad, but that's the truth. Well, what if we spend about a minute for each one of these bills in our sure. final like 15 minutes of the podcast? Right. And um, we can just sort of give people like an, a it. one minute overview. Which one would you like to go over next? Well, I'll just start from the top, AB 1666. I like to call it 1666 because of the number, right? That's a really weird number. Is that normally used? Is that like- I don't know. It's just the number yeah. that they designated it. Um, it's okay. called, count. It, I've, I've described it as countering the Texas heartbeat law. And if it's passed, California is going to not recognize and it's going to refuse to enforce other state civil judgments like Texas against those who are convicted of participating in an abortion, right? So you were just saying, what if you're doing an illegal abortion in Texas, right? Okay, yeah. so Texas says you can't do this abortion. Well, this uh, th these abortionists or anybody helping them, they can flee to California. Maybe they've got, you know, they've got a vacation spot or something. The Texas heartbeat bill gives a private cause of action to someone to, to report and sue the, the abortionist or the assistants, right? And maybe can, can then satisfy the judgment with that property. Well, what if the California, what if the guy in Texas has got a property in California? Normally, the way that it works is if you've got a valid judgment in one of the states, because we do recognize it's the full faith and credit, if that's part of the Constitution, Article 4. Um, full faith and credit is, okay, if you've got a judgment, a court judgment in one state, it's good anywhere. It's kind of like, you know, marriage, right? If I'm married in one state, whether I'm married to a boy or a girl, right? It's a marriage certificate and you can't tell me, oh no, we only recognize boy-girl marriages, right? I got, a, I got a document that says I'm married, right? Same thing applies. So that bill is going to say, no, no, we are not going to recognize the judgment for money damages in Texas out here in California. So we're not going to enforce it. 
you can't go get his yacht, the abortionist's yacht in uh, Long Beach Harbor. See what I mean? It actually violates uh, the, the Constitution. To allow someone to harbor or protect their assets yes. in California it, from the region of Texas. Absolutely. It will shield abortionists who, you know, are have, you know, assets in Texas. You're not going to be able to bring um, judgment from any of these other states and enforce it in California. They won't recognize it. All right. Uh, okay. AB 1918 is an abortion scholarship program, and it's going to be a massive taxpayer-funded scholarship program to make sure we train students who will perform abortions. And we're going to pay for all related education costs, loan forgiveness, the works. But if you want to be pro-life and not perform abortions, you're not eligible. The end. We're only going to fund education for people who will agree to perform abortions. Hmm. Um, AB 19. See, again, it's, it's a money grab. We're going to, we, because what That's they, big money. these are do, all big money grabs. So far. Yes. And they, but they desperately, they're trying desperately to expand uh, the number of um, abortionists, if you will. Another bill that's a little farther down actually strips the duties of, uh, it, it enhances the ability of like physician assistants and things to perform abortions when it, we didn't do that before. So they're trying to build an army of, of people who can perform abortions, even without doctor supervision. They want to get rid of that. Anyway. Um, and this is one of the ways just, well, we'll pay for you to go to school and learn how to cut up babies. Um, AB 1940 is school-based health centers. This, this does something interesting. Now, we're calling it a bad bill because existing California law already says you have to teach about reproductive health care, meaning abortions. If they just stripped that part of the bill out, maybe it would be good because what it does is it expands a school-based health center so that it improves student access to health in grades K through 12. That's not necessarily a bad thing because some of the kids in, in poorer rural areas don't get a lot of uh, good health care and maybe they need that, maybe they need a nurse. But because the law includes reproductive health care services, which is code for chemical and surgical abortions, we oppose that. We'd like okay. them to strip that language out. Okay, AB 2091. Now, this is a kind of a sister bill to 1666, 1666, just like uh, we're going to ignore the Texas judgments. Well, with AB 2091, we are going to ignore other state subpoenas, which are valid, valid court you know, documents that say produce the documents or bring that person, right? Well, they're going to say, no, we're not going to do that. We don't have to obey a subpoena. Because what, and this what effectively will produce, pr protect sexual abusers or abortionists who are fleeing prosecution in other states. Because normally the subpoena, you say, oh, nope, you, you got to come back here. We, we've got a lawsuit here in Texas. We're going to bring you back. Well, California is saying, nah, we are not going to recognize the validity of a subpoena from another state. The end. It's like, well, and again, it's against the it's against the Constitution. But that's this is the civil so war that we're fighting. Yeah, so that's making California the a safe, you know, a, a safe place for mm -hmm. abortionists to flee. And to, sexual traffickers. I mean, sexual, sexual traffickers, right? Who who force a girl to get an abortion or something, right? And then, then if she's got a cause of action against them in another state, well, uh, she can't go get them. So it, it really does foster kind of abuse of of uh, children, young women. It really mm -hmm. does. Um, AB twenty one thirty four is a no-cost abortion services. It provides grants to abortion providers and it forces private insurers, health insurance, to advocate for pro-abortion coverage. It's, a, it's an end run around what was uh, SB 742. Okay, 
you're a religious employer, you're like a church, right? And you say, look, um, we, we pay for healthcare coverage for our members, but we don't pay for abortion in our healthcare, right? Okay. okay. So what this bill says, okay, that's fine. Hey, insurance company, you have to inform the employees of this private religious organization about their options to get abortion coverage. It's forced speech. It's forced professional speech. Mm. The case Nifla versus Becerra actually struck this down. So this is another yeah. unconstitutional thing, but they're going to do it anyway. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, it sounded just like that case. Yes, it's very uh, similar. Similar when it comes to compelled speech. Right, yeah. so it compels professional speech by these third-party insurers. Doesn't compel the employer, the church itself, just the insurance company. It targets them. Mm. So that's but I. That's again, it's unconstitutional. Uh, we've already talked about AB 2223, which is the legalizing of infanticide. Um, yeah. AB 2320 subsidizes abortion clinics. It, it creates a taxpayer subsidy for abortion clinics in selected rural and urban counties to improve access to abortion because we don't have enough abortion access in California, right? So now these special uh, subsidies and tax dollars are not available to pro-life clinics because if they're choosing not to provide abortions, they're not eligible. Only clinics who will provide abortions get the money. This is a way of attacking um, pro-life clinics. It's a way of making sure we're gonna fund uh, Planned Parenthood clinics over pro-life clinics, right? That's what this is. You know, what's AB interesting is that um, pro-life pregnancy clinics will offer, will offer abortion healing, they'll, they'll offer <laughs> a, advice for right. you know, for someone seeking an abortion, they'll and offer SEDs and and ultrasounds, free they, ultrasounds to date yeah. the pregnancy, so you know all of these things. They offer a lot of things, uh, you know, beyond the surgical or chemical abortion that right. that help women recover, mm -hmm. you know, recover their life and recover health and recover their mental state or spiritual state, and yeah, but essentially, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just feel like, like whenever I see that phrase you know, provides abortions, it's, it's so misleading because pregnancy clinics provide a lot regarding abortions while not actually providing surgical or chemical abortions. They provide so much help and healing and advice and warnings surrounding that topic. Anyway, let, yeah, let's keep going. Oh, no, we'll get you'll love the next yeah. one. So that oh, one, good. 2330, basically subsidizes the abortion clinics and, and cuts out the pro-life clinics, right? AB 2586, this one, you're going to love this one. I'm being sarcastic. This is the abortion disparity uh, bill. It, it calls these pro-life clinics and centers fake clinics. It literally says that in the in bill. The it, wow. it funds the abortion clinics and targets pro-life clinics as fake. It targets them for elimination and labels them as fake clinics and sets up a committee. So like this, you know, a star chamber, right? And we're going to examine, they're, they're designed to eliminate these fake clinics that's how biased this thing is that's that and that's 2586 they're going here's the, the the fact of the matter is there are more pro-life centers and clinics in california than there are abortion clinics yeah and planned parenthood knows that right they need they need to boost their numbers they need more abortion clinics so what they're going to do is they're now going to weaponize the legislature to go at and attack the quote-unquote fake clinics because they choose not to to provide abortion. Now, let, let's make no mistake, they are fully licensed medical clinics. They comply with all of the laws in California that are necessary to provide 
ultrasound, STD, whatever it is that they provide, they are in full compliance. They're not fake clinics at all. They are licensed medical clinics. It is the legislature now who are calling them fake clinics because they choose their choice not to provide abortion. Something about freedom of choice. I don't know. Anyway, that's what that bill is. 2586 is wow. fake clinics bill. Uh, AB 2626 is physician discipline. This prohibits the California Medical Board from revoking the certificate of a physician and a surgeon solely for performing an abortion. So long as they perform the abortion in accordance with provisions of this chapter, meaning, okay, it wasn't malpractice. But what this does is it goes after abortionists in Texas and stuff. So what, if, if an abortionist in Texas, you know, is, is basically get, gets revoked by Texas, by the medical board of Texas, you can't perform abortions here, right? So your license has been stripped. They can come to California and California says, that's okay. If you've just been stripped because you've performed abortion, not because it was malpractice, but just because you were performing abortions, that's okay. Come here. We will prohibit uh, the medical board from revoking your uh, your physician. So, so currently, if someone in Texas provides an abortion and it's illegal they, and they lose their medical license, they, they currently can't go to California or somewhere else to continue their practice? I'm not sure, but we've got this bill here that's saying, hey, don't worry, come here. And if you just, you know, okay. we will, we will not revoke your certificate, you know, uh, you know, your license yeah. to perform wow. abortions. We won't, California, if you just, if you are a doctor that performs abortions, we won't revoke your, your license. So long as yeah. it's not for malpractice, right? You know, botched abortions, that's okay. So the, the consequence hey, simply changes from, you have, to, you have to move across the state line in order to have your life back based on that's illegal okay. activity in the previous state. And yeah. so it sort of removes that criminality of breaking the law in the other state. It just wants to make sure that physicians won't lose their license in California for performing abortions. Wow. Just, just saying. Now, AB 2698, this defines unauthorized abortions. It makes a very technical, non-substantive change to the wording of existing law and it defines what constitutes an unauthorized abortion. It just, it, it's this little, it's a small thing. It just adds the word the to the existing law. So this is not worth our time to, to you know, go and call on because it's just, it already is an existing law. It's just gonna clean it up a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we're adding a couple of words. That, okay. But but it's a bad bill. It's just like, okay, what, why do we have this? But that's- But it's, but it's cleaning up a bad, it sounds like it's cleaning, it's cleaning up a, a up law a we disagree bill. with. Yeah. Exactly. We, the law is already existing. Now, okay. SB 1131, this is the one that it gives confidentiality for abortionists. It's going to shield election workers and abortionists and anybody who gets an abortion and anybody who works for people who get abortions, right? Anything like that. We want to shield their contact information, including their home address, and uh, any of their contact information because we want to protect them from harassment. So it creates this special class of people that get to go into the safe home program. And all you have to do is allege that at some point within the last year, the facility was, um, uh, I think it was being harassed. So you just have to allege it's, it's a nominal showing. And then anybody who works there, anybody who is a customer there can then say, I am now confidential and masks your ability to find their information. It, they started with election workers and then they threw in all the abortion workers. I guess they're afraid that people might, you know, go outside of the clinic and say, hey, you shouldn't be working there, right? It's, it's like the, the, I had a bill last uh, session, which is still being litigated about, 
you're not allowed to um, take pictures uh, outside a, an abortion facility because you, you can't dox people, which is, is rude, but this is going after that. It's providing additional confidentiality for abortionists. It's interesting that it says shield contact information, including home address of both election workers yeah. and reproductive healthcare workers. So they're grouping people who work at an abortion clinic with those who work at an election uh-huh. polling place. I think they're seeing how upset people were with the 2020 election and they don't want people getting, you know, no, nobody getting in their face by saying, Hey, what are you doing with the election? What, why are you turning in these ballots? I don't know, but they're, they are, they believe that this is, they have to protect these critical workers from harassment. Yeah. That's, okay. That's what they have to do. Anyway. Yeah. Let's um, keep going. SB 1142, that's the abortion vacay, the abortion tourism, where they're going to make this big, huge state website, and they're going to fly like 1.4 million women into California using your taxpayer dollars to give them an abortion vacay, wages, uh, insurance, uh, child care, the whole works. That, that is, that's the huge one. That's the big gorilla in the room, if you ask me, because if they get that done, then it's just a one-stop shop. Um, SB 1245, I mentioned at the top of the show, which is this is the safe haven. This, this funds the pilot program in Los Angeles to, to expand abortion services in Los Angeles County because we don't have enough uh, abortion services here in Los Angeles County. It will create Los Angeles as a hub for, the, for abortion tourism because we've got three different airports. It's kind of a, it, it facilitates SB 1142, right? And it directs money right to Los Angeles County. Los Angeles County, where we are, the right to life is ground zero. That's where they're going to dump all the money. All right. SB 1375 eliminates abortion safety standards. This really, this eliminates the standardized procedures for nurses to follow. And it also eliminates physician oversight of nurse practitioners who are performing abortions. It permits the assignment of fetal viability by nurse practitioners. It used to be by doctors, right? and certified nurse midwives and physician assistants instead of doctors. It kind of strips out the, the doctor supervision and it also gets rid of standardized procedures. This really will revolutionize how uh, nurse practitioners and physician assistants are able to perform, uh, to, to date uh, pregnancies by doing an ultrasound and, and they, they determine if it's viable or not and, and that they, they can perform abortions without direct doctor oversight. Because again, we have to expand the, uh, the army of abortionists so that we can continue to compete with the pro-life clinics and that we can expand um, you know, the abortion sanctuary state and give anybody an abortion who wants it, right? That's what that does. Okay. Um, and then finally, SB 1400, this creates a private cause of action for doxing abortion workers. It's a special cause of action for anyone who publicly, against anyone who would post identifying information or photos of abortion service patients, providers, or assistants. It kind of builds upon 742, which is in, currently in litigation um, because they, they're trying to protect uh, abortion workers from being harassed online, right? Because we don't, we, we, they get a special, they get a special car route. Look, doxing online is never appropriate. It's just, it's kind of mean, but we're gonna, instead of protecting all healthcare workers, right? Like pro-life and, and the whole gamut, right? Just saying, look, it's not fair to, you know, take pictures of your doctor and put it online and say, he's a bad doctor, you can't, can't do that. No, no, we're just going to protect the abortion workers, right? Because we want to protect them. Anyway, mm. 
So there That's you go. That's a lot of bills. That's a lot of bills. We have good bills as well. And there you can watch, you can see them at prolifeadvocates.org. Uh, a lot of them probably won't make it through because, I mean, there's one that's uh, birthing justice that would pay for, you know, uh, the cost to, for low-income families to provide health care and nece that's necessary to choose childbirth. Well, that's a lot more expensive than abortion because you can get an abortion pill or a surgical abortion for super cheap. But um, there is a bill, it's called AB 2199, AB 2199, that would actually create a pilot pro program for low-income families to help them choose birth, to say, look, we'll, we'll pay for these costs of childbirth. You don't have to choose abortion. Uh, and that's one of the main reasons. I think 73 or 74% of women uh, surveyed by Guttmacher gave as their one of the reasons why they were choosing abortion is because they didn't feel like they had another choice and they couldn't afford it. So, I mean, this, this would, AB yeah. 2199, would help them afford to choose life. So that's a good bill. Anyway. Well, well, Susan, I really appreciate your time and I appreciate you sharing your, your intellect and, and insight on all of these bills. And, and I'm looking forward to being able to share this with executive directors so they can be aware of this huge, just, you know, quantity of pro-abortion bills that, well, as you said, are probably going to be passed. The it's fire like hose they're, the fire hose. they're just and they're getting them they're ramming them through every week every week tomorrow there's going to be uh at least seven bills i'll be testifying against every week they're doing many 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 bills up in sacramento every week just mm. ram them through the committee and it's a party line vote so that nine pass or 11 11 to three nine to two and they just they're all walking right through there and they're not being amended to anything and those are your elected officials that's yeah. who's doing this well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing these things. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just thankful for you to be there in Southern California working to be a voice for life and and to be the, well, in some cases, the only voice going against some of these bills. The tip of the spear, bills. baby, right here in Los Angeles County. That's it. <laughs> Pro-life tip of the spear. We got plenty to do. You have heard our vow. 
Yeah. 